Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 253rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. We were just here not too long ago. <laughs> Is something funny over there? Did I, did, I just, did I throw you for a loop a little bit? You thought I was going to like have a real conversation? Yeah. Just throw it right back. Yeah, you can't count on Kyle for something like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not good at the small talk, you know, just like conversation, normal conversation stuff. You're not good at that? No, just not good right at that. At this table or just general everyday yeah, life? I just sit down here and, you know, you're kind of intimidating and I just, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. And then somehow right after I don't know what to say, we talk for an hour straight. Yeah. Well, it's because you know what you're here for. That's true. Yeah. And when you lock into uh, Missouri sports for this Missouri sports podcast, that's that's why I bring you here to do this. That's why I'm alive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, we're recording early this week, uh, but you should be hearing this close to the normal time we normally release things. I'm going on vacation, so I talked about that in the last episode. Where are you going? Going to Montana, big sky country they call it. Mm, who beautiful? Who was there? A Mizzou football player that transferred from Montana, Idaho maybe. Mm. Connor Wood, I Montana State. Let us know in the comments. Somebody transferred from Montana. I, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, my mom's side of the family has family up there, so every four or five years or so, that's kind of like family reunion slash vacation. The pretty side of Montana, right? Exactly. Way out west towards the Rocky Mountains. You get to do some hikes, Mm. see some rivers, and uh, catch up with family from across the country. So, What has a bigger population, state of Montana or the city of Springfield, Missouri? I think Montana by just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a place I'd like to go. Not a lot of people in Montana. Yeah, Excellent uh, representation in the Electoral College, though. Um, What all are we going to talk about this week? We're talking about the... What's it called? Uncut Diamonds. I keep wanting to say Uncut Gems. It's not gems. Uncut Diamonds, the YouTube series put out by Mizzou Athletics. Uh, We're going to talk about that. There is a little bit of news. Uh, Surely, by the time you're listening to this, other news has come out that we were not able to be on top of because we're pre-recording this because I'm going to be out of town. So bear with us there. We'll catch up on all the extra news when I get back, and that should be okay. Um... Before we get into everything, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um, Kyle, is the recruiting is the recruiting scene picking up on threads, threads.com? No, it's not. No. Um, I've been hanging out on threads a little bit. It's kind of it's kind of a funny little place. Uh, to my personal Twitter is dead mm-hmm. it used to be very much alive when i was in college and i was very active and i had a lot of friends on there and stuff msp twitter is still very fun and i'm on that every day mm-hmm. but threads was kind of cool just kind of like reintroduce myself to some college friends i hadn't talked to in a while kind of make 
made some funny little posts on there, and that's I'll probably never be seen again uh, oh, okay. in a few days from now. Gotcha, gotcha. Is it? Um, I'm not. I'm not on Threads. I don't real. I'm don't plan on going on Threads. If everybody I follow on Twitter goes to Threads, then maybe. But when you sign up, does it immediately connect you with the people you already follow on tw- on Instagram? Yeah, kind of. Um, I think there's an option for you to just like follow everybody that mm-hmm. you follow on Instagram. So it's kind of seem to be like that's kind of what most people are doing. I think so. Yeah, I'm just like getting follows from people I haven't talked to in years. But that's I guess what I meant by yeah, it's yeah. kind of I'm just like forcibly reunited with these people. Like, oh yeah, like what are these people up to? Sure, so sure. that's been kind of fun to just like I haven't talked about this guy in a while or whatever. Uh, but once that kind of wears off, I don't. I think I'll lose interest. Yeah, I feel like I use Twitter to Twitter compared to like people I actually interact with in real life. Yeah, just like completely different things. Yes. Like Twitter is my, where I am like chronically online. Yeah. And I think that's why Threads was like a little bit appealing just sure. because it's like, oh, wow, this actually kind of feels like an old school social platform that the social media felt like in 2010. Yeah. It's like these, I actually know these people that I'm seeing their updates from on like Twitter. Now. Are they saying anything interesting? Mildly. Okay. That's good. Like everyone's just kind of trying to find their way on there. Oh, you got to everybody trying to find their way. That's how it is. Yeah. I'm still holding out for Blue Sky. I would. We have like five different platforms that are the exact same thing. Yeah, that's where we're headed. It's gonna be fun. Um, I did see on Twitter that uh, the state of Missouri has a new NIL law that was passed, signed into. It was a bill signed into law, and I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. So, a couple changes from on the. Uh, Mizzou Athletics press release talking about this. Uh, Obviously, the top point here is that this new law allows individuals employed by or closely associated with universities in the state of Missouri to assist with negotiation of NIL deals on behalf of student athletes. So we're talking coaches. We're talking probably some staff members that are dedicated to this position moving forward being able to actually be the go-between with uh, student-athletes and businesses and uh, organizations trying to use NIL. Seems like that is kind of obvious. Like, that seems like a very necessary part of the equation, which was, in the absence of that, was probably leading to some of just the craziness of it. Well, and yes, I think that aspect of it is absolutely true. I can see how maybe the thinking behind not doing it that way from the jump was because, you know, coaches aren't supposed to be able to use NIL for recruiting. So if you're giving coaches more control over all of that, then you're opening it up more for them to be sort of arranging deals, arranging potential deals for recruits, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I'm of the mind, why do we care? If we're doing this, we're doing this. Yeah. yeah. So so NIL is just not even an NCAA thing anymore at this point. It's just like at the state legislative yeah. level. Yeah. yeah it's well, the NCAA, who are they? Exactly. What are they doing? They're just a worthless yeah. organization at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. They're, uh, they're getting pushed out of yeah, the equation. A, uh, like, they feel like a regulatory body that is just like not doing anything. They're like so captured by the member institutions that they're just completely useless um 
that was that was one of the big changes there. Um, prospective student athletes who have signed in NIL. So, sorry, <laughs> this gets confusing here. Student athletes who have signed an NLI, National Letter of Intent, to attend an institution are allowed to earn NIL compensation. Okay. So it's kind of giving you a... So they don't even have to be enrolled yet. Right. All they okay. have to do is sign the NLI to get NIL. That's not confusing. <laughs> um, and then it just uh, talks about how the institutions can set policies for licensing logos and photos and stuff like that for NIL ventures. So again, just kind of bring in a little bit more of that in-house and maybe trying to do away with some of these uh, influencers and content creator type outfits um, controlling very much of this. And student athletes are now permitted to promote events they participate in. So it all seems like, you know, just kind of working out the kinks, but um, it, it is fascinating to me that like, the way the state of Missouri is handling all this stuff. Tell me if this makes sense. The way the state of Missouri is handling all this stuff is like, uh, I don't know. You're the athletic department of the biggest university in the state. Tell us what how this is supposed to go, basically. Like, what do you, I imagine that, you know, obviously, yeah. we know Coach Drinkwitz very involved in all this. Um the athletic department as a whole probably very involved, probably writing some of the language that goes into this bill. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like Missouri understands how to kind of weaponize NIL because maybe some schools like Georgia might, it just might not be as important to them. Mm -hmm. They're going to just off of reputation and offering like, hey, you can probably win a national championship here any given year. Uh, maybe that just kind of outweighs like sometimes what nil can offer and that's still going to be a piece of what they're doing i'm sure but missouri is like this is the key to us you know being able to take our our game up a step let's be really um kind of progressive and really seek this out and not let the state tell us what to do mm -hmm. and yeah i mean or maybe the i don't know what came first but may, but it seems like missouri athletic department was like let's get involved yeah. we gotta make it we gotta kind of have this paved the way for us in our best interests. And it looks like that's how it's going. Yeah. Uh, my only concern, I guess, I mean, it all seems fine to me, but uh, like, it, I mean, I'm assuming that anybody cares about my opinion, but um, the only concern I would have, I guess, is like that the players are benefiting from it, you know, as much as they can and uh, that it's not being used to control the players by the university and the coaching staffs and stuff like that. But that's obviously going to just come down to the individual player and their families sort of like sussing out what's, uh, what's the intent here behind all of this. And, yeah. um, if only there was like a five part little video series that just showed like how much the, uh, football team is like really embracing a sense of togetherness that could like put my mind at ease on that. Yeah, too bad that doesn't exist or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would like to think that the student athletes have the leverage in this situation. That probably may not always be the case. Maybe some of the guys at the top have the leverage in the situation. But yeah, it just it is fascinating to think about how it's going on kind of behind the scenes and how the different sides are all using it kind of for their own benefit, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah, just I I get a I just get a little nervous about it because you hear coaches and you've heard Drinkwitz say stuff about like outside influences or like uh, you know, there's this sort of idea of this person associated with the player that's like taking advantage of the situation. And some of this does seem like an effort to bring it all back under control of the university and the athletic department. Yeah. So if that's good for the players, I'm not really in a position to say one way or the other. Yeah. For them to specifically reach out about uh, wanting to get that legislation done, I think that's exactly right. That there's there's clearly some kind of kind of an anonymous third party that's kind of mucking things up Mm -hmm. and making probably lots of them. Oh yeah, yeah, making it difficult. And I I 100% think you've you hit it on the head there. Okay, so um, moving on from that, there was a little bit of recruiting news. Um, Cole McConaughey uh, had a decision to make and uh, picked Louisville over Missouri. Yep. Any thoughts on that? Good luck to you. We'll see you never. See you never. And also, uh, there's another player uh, announcing today that didn't come out before we recorded so yeah that's uh johan cardenas yes cardenas and it's a running back uh from houston i think and most likely is going to vanderbilt but we uh missouri's got a shot we'll see and we'll like i said we'll just have to catch up on uh some of that recruiting stuff i think brian huff will announce before we Mm. record next time um hopefully we're talking about a, a mizzou win on that one I think I think we'll be happy with that. All right, so you ready to talk about this uh, YouTube series? Yeah. So it's called Uncut Diamonds. Um, the Mizzou Athletics YouTube account put this out like two months ago or so, and um, part of me was kind of like avoiding watching it just because I knew it would get me too excited for the season. And so this feels like the perfect time mm-hmm. where. There's not a whole lot going on. We're not quite ready to like preview the season. And uh, it basically just gives us a recap of the spring. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it like from the top, incredibly well done video series. And it was just like the Mizzou, Mizzou Athletics media team just really flexing on everybody. And it uh, it passed the vibe check completely yeah i mean there's a lot of content too i mean there was uh, you mentioned five part series all 10 minute long videos so almost an hour of content of kind of behind the scenes stuff and like interviews with the coaches and the players and uh kind of seeing more of spring practices than we saw anywhere else yeah and you and i have kind of talked about um the mizzou athletics social media in general and how it seems like they don't do as much like video content as maybe they used to. Mm-hmm. It seems like they used to do a lot like of like highlight stuff or kind of off season interview type stuff that I've just haven't seen a lot of that in the last couple of years. And so I felt like that was always something kind of to sustain me through the summer months was, you know, hearing from the freshmen and kind of them getting interviewed by upperclassmen or just whatever it was for football and basketball. Mm-hmm. But so I thought this was cool to kind of, for them to dip back into that and just show us a little bit of, of what's going on in the very, very long off season. Yeah. Go give it some views so that, uh, they keep giving us more stuff like that. Yeah. But maybe you and I are the only one that are in, into that sort it of thing. It seemed like there was, uh, a few thousand views on most of the videos. Yeah. 
But yeah, and if you haven't watched it, and you may want to watch it before you listen to what we're going to say about it, but it's not like for spoilers or anything, but yeah. just so you know what we're talking about. But it was it was um, a lot of different, uh, like every video had like its own little topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so episode one was just kind of like setting the scene, basically. Um, it took us all the way back to when Drinkwitz was hired, and um, it talked, there was a you know, snippets from his interviews with Paul Feinbaum from over the years, one from when he was uh, just first named the Mizzou head coach. And uh, there was a line in there, he has not, Coach Drinkwitz has not missed a bowl game since becoming head coach. They made sure to get that soundbite in there real quick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only year that he didn't get to six wins was the COVID year where we were like five and five or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really count. I don't even know yeah. if they played bowls that year. There was we were supposed to play Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Yep. And the bowl got canceled. Um one part of this that we've seen some of before, but I always think is interesting is it showed clips of Drinkwitz meeting the team. Yeah. And there's just something endlessly fast fascinating to me about him like just shaking uh javon foster's hand just meeting these guys for like, the first time uh so who are you oh okay what position do you play and just yeah there's something hilarious about that and uh there's one that sticks out of my mind that wasn't in this video of him meeting daniel parker jr and uh i don't know he's just not something you really think about oh yeah you get a new co- coach they have to actually like meet the team for the first time and like start introducing themselves to the players and uh obviously javon foster um is an important guy to get to know for the new head coach. And he's featured a lot in this, uh, speaks a lot on camera, as well as uh, Darius Robinson mm-hmm. was another guy that, that keeps showing up. Yeah. And I love that. Just like two guys who are probably going to be captains this year that uh, the fans know have been around a while, uh, featuring them a lot on camera in interviews and stuff made a lot of sense. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um both of those guys and Luther Burden were featured a ton kind of throughout just like football wise and interview wise and stuff like that. So yeah, I thought it was, those guys stood out to me. Definitely. I need a little bit of a psychoanalysis on something that drink said in one of his little interviews. And I, I don't think it made it clear who he was about to go on with, but he was just kind of sitting in his office, like preparing the environment for an interview. And I think it was still like pretty early on. Uh huh. And you know how he's ha- he always has his Diet Coke, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in like interviews or like if he goes up to the podium for post game stuff or whatever it is. Like it's not fake; he's drinking. The it. dude yeah. always has his Diet Coke, and he says, "I wrote down like he's like I said, he's getting ready. He's about to start the interview, and he says, I need do I need to get a Diet Coke so I can feel more special?' It's like he felt almost like naked without it. He was like, "Oh, like I'm gonna I need this for comfort." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it read to me like, um, that he, you know, the spotlight was on him and all this was being done to make him look good on camera, Mm -hmm. like the lighting to make him look good. The stuff that they were putting around him. He mentioned something like, Oh, he got a couple football things here. And then uh, what was the line again? He said, uh, he was like almost kind of like unsure, like nervously. He was like, do I need to get a Diet Coke so I can feel more special? Yeah. Feel more special is funny. I do. It just did feel to me like a little bit of nerves. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, almost him being like, uh, somebody can, can somebody give me a Diet Coke? That would make me, that would uh, put me a little bit at ease yeah, here. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. Um, uh, I like that they, they touched on sort of the recruiting wins. Obviously they focused on that quite a bit in the lead up to it. Um, they showed Luther Burden making his decision and then, 
a lot of that first episode was talking about this concept of the power of touch that they were incorporating into the practices and stuff. And uh, I I don't know. I feel sometimes as a sports fan, it's easy to be a little bit jaded, especially with professional sports. And that bleeds into college a little bit for me too, where it's like, ah, there's so much money being made and like this is a, a big show and like how much ESPN is involved and all this kind of stuff. Um, all these sponsorships and everything. And to watch something like this and the tone they're setting at the beginning is just begging you to buy in on this team bonding experience that goes on in these uh, 15 spring practices, spring camp, basically. And it did have, they did convey that sort of like camp atmosphere, I thought, pretty well bookending it in episode one they introduce you know the physical touch just like we did with our pens our pens last week yeah we did and um just you know dapping each other up giving each other high fives tapping each other on the helmet and just uh he brings uh mookie cooper up and like uh, if i drop a pass you know you gotta pick me up and that sort of thing and i don't know as jaded as i can be sometimes with all the realities of major college football I just kind of allowed myself to just go like, yes, we're we're I'm going all in on this the human like, element, the the brotherhood of it all, the uh, the you know team camaraderie. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, specifically mentioned uh, a measurable way to make sure that we are being a brotherhood and showing each other kind of that physical love and that mm-hmm. physical touch. Uh, he brought up three thousand daps a yeah. day. Yeah. A dap just being anytime you're doing a handshake or yeah. tapping somebody in the helmet or whatever it is. I don't know how they're counting that, but maybe it's just kind of an arbitrary, just a lot of daps a day. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting. And yeah, I mean, that's an interesting um, perspective that you brought up, just uh, kind of all the realities. It's just the the business aspect of it and stuff. And I think even from a different perspective, it's easy to think about the players like they're on a video game Mm -hmm. and there's no, they're just robots. They just go out there, do their thing. Like you, and they have they're just they're just this good yep they're they have a, a ranking of this they have a rating of 90 overall and they're this is their speed and this you know whatever well and they're a they're a line on the uh recruiting database yes. then they're a line in the um you know the game day yes. guide and there's no ra- range of outcome it's, yeah. it's just this is how they are every single day when they show up and that's obviously just so incredibly wrong from how it really is and these are real people and, um, you know, they're going to perform differently based on how they feel like they're valued in their situation. And I think that's kind of an element of the, the head coach has to be thinking about is the locker room aspect of the team and not just the X's and O's, but how do I get the most out of these guys? And, you know, how do I get them to feel like they belong here? So that's, that's just one thing I never really think about um, yeah. when I'm thinking about uh, my my favorite sports teams. It's just kind of the, the chemistry on the, the back end of things. For sure. And like a college athletics is built for that. And again, this series actually showed that really well. How if you when you're enmeshed in the community, uh, that's going to you know create those bonds and everything within the team and then outside of it with the community. But you can also see very you can pretty easily see through this like the bubble that the team tries to make around themselves and 
the sort of like self-talk starts right then of like, hey, we've only got us to try to reach our goals. Mm -hmm. And you can just very easily see how a team creates the narrative of, um, you know, we have to work for each other to try to meet our goals. And the people outside this room aren't going to understand what we're trying to do exactly, but we have to prove them wrong, that sort of thing. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's just like a little bit of coach psychology there that goes a long way. Yeah. Also the fact that there's just 15 spring practices, just kind of when they put that number on it, I was just like, yeah, there's not a lot of time here for these guys to try to develop. Yeah. For an entire off season really. Yeah. Yeah. Until fall camp starts back up. Yeah. And then uh, do a couple of scrimmages and stuff. But, uh, I think it's important not to read too terribly much into some of these student interviews and stuff with the, with the athletes and stuff, because, they're probably not in front of the camera all that much and they mm-hmm. might have been kind of nervous and all that kind of stuff. But I thought Javon Foster said something a little bit interesting. And this is, I guess, would have been him current day talking about drink and like kind of going even back to like his first impressions of him and stuff. But uh, one thing he said about Dr- Coach Drink was like very positively saying that he's changed the program kind of at a night and day difference and kind of referred to him getting the most out of the players. Yeah. And um, I didn't know if that was some, some kind of like shot at the coaches before drink or what, or if I'm reading into that like way too much. But um, yeah, that's just something that I don't think about that much uh, is from a coaching perspective is like, how do I get the most out of everybody and get them to perform to their best? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if he was if he was able to do that, if that's what the players see happening with um, the talent that was available the last few years, then we should be right on schedule for yeah. uh, getting the most out of even better talent right. to show up this year. Uh, so unless you have anything more specifically about episode one, they, they kind of transition into episode two uh, by with drink saying something about being ready for constructive criticism. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of an interesting way of being like, yeah, this is all very feel good, but now we're going to get like in the X's and O's a little bit and uh, try to get better. And, Episode two is all about the offense. It starts with um, Kirby Moore being named offensive coordinator and having this concept of the offense being an ambush, a group of tigers stalking their prey and ambushing them. And a lots of talk from the coaches and the players about creativity from Kirby Moore, inner, at it, bringing energy to the offense and there's a, an, a press conference clip of him explaining that he's talking to, talking about his offense. And he's kind of saying there is no my offense. There is the like there's offensive principles that we will then turn into what fits the personnel that we have. And obviously that's pretty much how you have to do it. And I do feel like at times with Coach Drink's play calling and how he's handled the offense, he has maybe been a little too it's been easy it has seemed easy for him to just fall back into this like worn path of what he knows to do in certain situations and we've talked before about how it'll be very nice to get different a different set of eyes on the offensive skill players especially the quarterbacks and just a different mind in the um meetings and stuff to I don't know, shake things up a little bit because yeah. the one criticism of Coach Drinkwitz in on game day over and over again has been 
sometimes the lack of creativity on offense and sometimes it's like surface level creativity but nothing um that seems to really be sparking elevated play from the offense yeah uh yeah i would say probably the last word i would use to describe the offense of the last few years is like ambush yeah actually uh so i like that that's what the mindset is going forward i think we're really gonna like kirby Moore. he's one of the things i'm probably most excited about as far as the improvements of the offense and because i just don't think we could honestly be a lot worse than we were last year yeah and considering how good this defense could be we don't even really need the offense to be incredible right. to have a special season um if things kind of bounce the right way so uh i i definitely stood out to me what exactly what you said how he said we will kind of play to the strengths of who we have in the room and i'm not going to force a new offense on people we're just going to kind of see what we do well and go on from there um specifically mentioned throwing the ball more and that's something that all the players kind of reference sam horn especially i think i even wrote a note about this later but sam horn is interviewed a little bit later uh in the series specifically mentioning that the offense will be more explosive and that's just music to my ears yeah we've heard that before though that's true i don't want to uh you know might be getting tricked here a little bit that's that's always possible they uh, introduced the concept of these, uh, what's it called, lockout games, where they have like basically a red zone uh, competition between the offense and defense. And uh, to set that up in episode two, they had a little like, uh, they brought in a basketball goal and Kirby Moore and Blake Baker were sh- trying to make baskets to yeah. see who got to do something. And they both had really good shooting form, I must say. Yeah. They look good like they, they've shot some baskets before. Um. They there was a few clips of a scrimmage uh, that the offense won and ended with Garcia throwing a touchdown pass to Mookie Cooper. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Got to see a lot of uh, we got to see things from several different quarterbacks yeah. throughout the series. Also, and, Brady Cook was not playing in the spring, so right. there was quite a few clips of Sam Horn yeah. and Garcia. Yeah. Um, overall, though, I thought uh, Kirby Moore. Every time I see him, every time I hear from him, he's exactly what I'm looking for from a fan point of view with yeah, the seems offensive coordinator. Very level headed. I want them. Yeah, they players kept talking about how calm he is and how his demeanor when he's talking on the headset and stuff never changes, keeps everybody even keel. It's like supportive and yeah. not like tearing people down and right. stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah, I basically want my uh offensive like play caller to be a little bit of a robot and just like stay completely even keel all the time and sounds like we've got it uh episode three focused on the defense uh blake baker they showed uh, at the very beginning they showed a graphic comparing his 2021 or the 2021 mizzou defense to his defense last year and the night and day difference between the output and like the rankings and all that stuff last year we all uh, remember that fondly uh, got to see a little bit more personality from some of the players like uh, Chris Abrams Drain uh, was on camera a little bit. But the th- one of the things that stood out to me most was the Blake Baker versus Luther Burton uh, rivalry. I basically. literally wrote that down on my notes, like Blake Baker versus Luther Burton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. That, I don't know. That was fascinating to me. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, we just were talking about Kirby Moore and his kind of even keel style and how we kind of seems like we want that for an offensive play caller and then there's blake baker who is like the complete opposite yeah. just very emotional high energy hype man yes. like going crazy and honestly like 
that's fine from a defensive uh, play caller. I I think that balance is great. Give me the emotional guy on defense. Give me the the uh, you know the strategic guy on yeah. offense. I guess so. Um, it was really cool. I mean, that's just you know you would never know that's what he's like just watching just tuning into a game on Saturday. Uh, so to see kind of this side of him and how like he was kind of just getting in the players' faces in like mm-hmm. a friendly competitive way was yeah. like really cool and um, just the competition going on between the offense and, and Luther especially and and Blake Baker and the defense was I don't know that kind of brought a smile to my face yeah definitely and uh, there was one moment where Coach Baker said to Luther Burden do you want me to sick Hibbler on you yeah meaning Tyler Hibbler and Luther Burden just looked at him and said yeah do that. <laughs> he didn't seem very scared uh they interviewed chad bailey at one point uh he had a couple appearances but he specifically mentioned um wanting to come back and prove that he has more to give to mizzou football and the fan base so love to hear that from one of our returning senior captains um both of these sections with the offense and defense they ran through all the uh like position coaches and everything and explained their roles and relationships a little bit and obviously they're making it look very good and i'm sure it is but it really just seemed like the personalities and everything were all fitting together very nicely um they had a lot of good things to say about al davis the defensive line coach and um yeah just uh, all the coaching staff seemed to just know their role and fit fit into their place very nicely yeah yeah uh Blake Baker specifically mentioned, you know, thinking that a lot of guys returned on defense because there was kind of that opportunity to build on what they did last year, the opportunity to come back and just keep developing. Mm-hmm. And I think as a fan, you have to kind of just get excited that we, you know, I don't want to, I don't want the expectation expectations to be too high, but there's like a, you know, there's a chance that this defense could be as good or better than it was last year, and that's you just, I don't know, that's exciting. Uh, they. There was an audio clip that played multiple times of sounded like some like I can't remember who it was, but uh, it was somebody reporting that ESPN had a uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN had rated Missouri as the had them ranked tenth in returning production, basically some kind of advanced metric that was rating returning production. They had Missouri tenth in the nation, so. They leaned on that a little bit, and uh, we can see it, especially from the defense and most of the weapons returning on offense as well. Uh, Episode four, they moved off the field a little bit to the whole chase two dreams uh, mantra that they've been going with. Um, And a lot lot of acronyms, a lot of symbolism here with the GRIT acronym. Uh, They showed the weight room and... uh, Ryan Russell, the executive director of athletic performance. And I don't think he would mind me saying this. You kind of need a little bit of a crazy person in the weight room. Just, you know, that can take it to that next level. Yeah. He seemed to have that. Got to motivate people. Yeah. Got to scare people a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who uh, has only spent time in the weight room, like by myself or with one other person, that's, it's a little intimidating uh, seeing them all fired up and like, Moving a lot of weight around. Yeah. Hitting hitting PRs. Yeah, it's awesome. Out in the field, running, jumping. Yeah. Yeah. They got it going on there. They showed, uh, you know, like the nutritionist, the uh, the training room, all that kind of stuff yeah. um, in the first half of this episode. And then the second half of the episode was all about their community involvement. 
all just really good feel good stuff. And then it ended with Drinkwitz reading the this man in the glass poem, talking about how, again, there's goes back to kind of establishing the bubble a little bit and being like, you can prove it to all these other people, but it's not going to mean anything unless you're proving something to yourself. And uh, the he does have a, a charisma about him that I think anytime I see him speaking in front of the team, he, it looks like he's got their he's attention. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought this episode kind of just was a reminder of how much of a full-time job this really is. Like for a lot of people for a lot of people how just how much of a production this is like i know i mean mizzou football is something that you know we as fans think about probably year round like there was so much riding on the fall every year and how much we're looking forward to these games and who's gonna break out and who's gonna be quarterback and all this stuff but i mean it is truly every minute of every day for all of these people and how much of a production it is and uh there's just so so much writing on everything they're doing and uh just how many things they got to think about like yeah like how do i avoid injury like uh what's the word i'm thinking of kind of getting ahead of the curve yeah and uh prevention that's what i'm thinking of yeah and nutrition and then they're doing all these classes kind of and i mean they're students too they gotta succeed in the classroom they're taking classes on uh, being a father mm-hmm. or volunteering, um, leadership, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So there's just so much going into it. They're really putting in a lot of thought into how to develop them as men and for succeeding after football too. So I thought that was really cool. It reminded me a little bit of the show uh, that was on Netflix about the JUCO um, Last Chance You. Yeah, I watched season one of that and um, it's been a while now, but it kind of shows is like there's this one lady at the juco level who's like doing five of these jobs at the same time and like trying to help these kids uh you know get their credits so that they can transfer to a d1 school or something like that and these these people are in every university and some some places like mizzou have teams of people working on all this smaller colleges have like one or two people sometimes in all these support roles. And I was glad that they spent some time, uh, you know, got these people's names out there and showed all the hard work they're doing behind the scenes. We're just really buying into the propaganda. We are drinking the Kool-Aid, you could say. That's what this is about. This is It is. It, it succeeded in that. Yeah. Uh, so bringing it all together here, episode five is the spring game. They call it the spring scrimmage because it was... A little indoors. Yeah, it was a little different than the spring game we're used to, but they still had a bunch of alumni in town and uh, got to see, they interviewed um, Jeremy Macklin, uh, Chase Kaufman, some of those guys. And uh, the, I think I have this right. Yeah, the offense had kept winning these uh, red zone lockout games. The defense was not doing so hot. Um, so that was kind of a challenge. Which is kind of nice to hear, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that was a challenge to the defense going into the spring scrimmage to win the final lockout game of the of the camp. Um, we did see a touchdown, uh, Sam Horn to Luther Burden. Yes. We saw Sam Horn get intercepted by Chris Abrams Drain. Pick six. And uh in the final red zone lockout game, 
um, the offense was not able to get in the end zone very much. Yeah. Um, they had to settle for field goals, missed a field goal, and the defense won. Up so, by a lot, it looked yeah. like. Kind of yeah. dominated them. Yeah. When the lights came on and the crowd was there, the defense showed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun to see them, you know, competing a little bit more in that last episode. And that was kind of the focus of it. And just like the the Mizzou Brotherhood was mm-hmm. the focus. Yeah. Uh, bringing in the past players and showing kind of that tradition. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool uh, to see some of those highlights. Um, I think this that kind of stuff is what pumps me up more than anything is just seeing these players that we know so much about but we just it's been so long since we've seen them actually do something like on a football field Mm -hmm. and you know there's been so much hype with sam horn and uh i thought he looked really good on some of those interviews on some of those clips that they showed and like he honestly one of my biggest concerns with sam horn is him uh maybe just being kind of a pocket passer and not being able to be very mobile and I think some of the clips I saw, just some of the very few clips they showed, I'm not, cons- I'm not sure that's a thing. Like yeah. he looked very mobile, yeah. and was getting around and and throwing the ball on the run, and uh, it looked like he could kind of create when he needed to. And so I was pretty impressed by some of the throws he made, even for throws that may not have even been complete. They just looked really good. Yeah, his footwork looked good. Um, and going back to Kirby Moore talking about the scheme fitting the personnel. I hope that means that we're using our quarterbacks, you know, dynamically, not just having them stand back there as statues and throw the ball. And I'm after watching this and hearing the coaches and stuff, I'm fairly confident that, um, especially if Brady cook is in there, they are absolutely going to be, uh, using him in the running game a lot. Yeah. I would be pretty disappointed if they don't after the success we saw in the back half of last season yeah. and bringing in a new OC who says they're going to play to the player's strengths. Yeah, um, I would borderline say them kind of discovering Brady Cook's legs was like almost saved the season from like abys- an abysmal season. Yeah. Like we at, turned things around in like a hurry. After the Kansas State game, I was like, oh man, like kind of not beating Louisiana Tech by very much in the first week and stuff or whatever like them kind of struggling there. I was like, this could be a really long season. But them kind of discovering that Brady Cook could do that, I think, opened up a whole new level for the offense last year. So surely if Brady Cook is the guy, they're going to be utilizing that again. And if if Sam Horn is the guy, then I think they're, they'll have some plays, some packages where um, it may not be as designed for him. But I could see, you know, in certain red zone situations, we see it in the NFL more and more every year where you have an empty backfield. It's right there for you to just run a QB draw yep. and score a touchdown. Yep. That's the he, kind of stuff we need. Yeah. We saw that in we a, saw that on one of the clips. So it's yeah. him running in a touchdown. Yeah. Um, the whole outro to this uh, series was just very feel good, very uh, uplifting music and everything. And, I thought the earlier... Did you have a little tear going down your cheek? Not quite, not quite. It was it was uh, just, I don't know. I think uh, the, the first couple episodes, there was just like this edge to it almost where I was like, it was more like pumped up yeah. feeling, very excited to uh, see the players on the field. And it kind of culminates in just like a, an optimism and just like, uh, oh, I'm proud of these guys for going through this spring camp and... Uh, yeah. 
um, getting closer and uh, working on their skills. And Coach Drinkwitz even says, like, we we accomplished what we wanted to here as far as, like, becoming uh, more together as a unit. And we have some X's and O's to work on still because Coach is always going to say that. But uh, we, we, we did what we came here to do in this uh, 15 practices in the spring. And they, and they ended it with uh, bad company. They started it with bad oh, company, yeah. ended it with bad company. But overall, I, it, it, is, it will hype you up. If you haven't watched it, if you watched it two months ago when it came out, watching it all in one sitting was yeah, pretty satisfying. That's what I did too. And uh, if you are worried about getting too excited for the season to start and there's too much time between now and then, honestly, maybe hold off because it'll get you a little too excited. Just embrace it. It, maybe it's time maybe it is time. time to start embracing next month my my other my other uh football take mm-hmm. takeaway mm-hmm. from this is uh i think luther burden might have like 500 targets this year <laughs> luther burden had a lot of screen time on this yeah. uh, a lot of attention from the defensive coaching staff the defensive players and yeah I, I hope he does. I feel like what's going to happen is he's going to get a lot of targets early in the season, and uh, then he's going to get on the scouting report if he's not all ready to start off the season. So there's opportunity for some of those other guys, Theo Weiss and uh, Makai uh, Miller mm-hmm. and all those guys. I think there's going to be there's going to be opportunities whenever the defense is swarming Luther Burden. All the times that they showed him, he just like exuded confidence. Yeah, and I'm him. Exactly. That's what he's. That's what he's wearing when he picked up the hat. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not even joking when I say this is. It's going to drive me crazy now. Waiting for the first game. I, luckily, we have. We get to like preview the roster, preview the schedule, tell you exactly how many wins they're going to have, exactly everybody's stat line, <laughs> and uh, that's going to be here before we know it. Anything else? Bravo to like congratulations to the media team. Fantastic job. Yeah. More of this. More. We want more. We want more. Kind of surprised they didn't push a little harder. I feel like uh it was kind of quiet. Yeah, I know. It's like I kind of get it though with the like the graphics and stuff on social media is more where it's at right now. And uh YouTube kind of taking a back seat. It's uh takes a little bit more effort to get those videos out probably all right well i'm going on vacation enjoy yourself uh special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above Britt treese brian smith ryan d Moore, tristan ben smith parker daddy j daddy jd tim keens tyler harsel brandon groffalo brandon hanks and matthew tilly thank you Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Happy vacation.